Welcome to UnleashCast. Today on Talent Focus, episode three, we're joined by our talent lead, Ali. Hello. And you might notice it's not John hosting today, it's me, Dan Richardson, who does everything tech here at Unleash. And right, let's jump straight into it. There's lots of good stuff to go through, and I wanted to first of all start on something that's been really hot for the last couple of weeks, which is managers seeing the full-time office as the future of work. Mm. Maybe a bit contrary to what we've heard over the last couple of years. Mm. You've written a great story on it. Let's talk about it. Yeah, so as you said, there's been a lot of discussion about whether or not hybrid working will, you know, last the long term. Will it, you know, is it just a blip? Is it like remote working in the pandemic? Now we're like transitioning. Well, eventually we'll be back in the office five days a week. And this study from Good Hire, you know, 60% of managers, 3,500 managers, in the US, I think, think that full time, the full-time office will happen. And to be honest, it wow. shocked me. Yeah, that's, that's bold, just straight off that start. It's bold. I mean, I think also what shocked me is 77% said they were prepared to kind of penalise and punish employees who refused to come back, including by lose, you know, loss of benefits, loss of pay and firing them. I, I mean, it sounds bizarre right now, just because we're going through the great resignation. I know everyone's sick of hearing about it, but... If you're saying I'm going to cut your wages unless you come into office X amount of time, surely people are going to look elsewhere at these remote first places. Exactly. Or at least where they can choose the days they want to come in or they don't have to come in five days a week. There's obviously, there's a difference between choosing to come in five days a week and being forced to do it. Yeah. I mean, the including firing uh, you touched on there, that's, that's a pretty extreme reaction. So what... What are your thoughts on that? Do you think that's something that's actually viable or do you, do you think there's... I don't think so. I think as well, what's really interesting from the study is it, you know, and managers are admitting that people are productive from home, that it's good for business. So why are we forcing them back in? Is it all about control? Yeah. And that's what worries me is why do you have to, why do you think you can only manage someone if you see them? Well, you know, we've got a manager who doesn't live in the same city as us. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that he can't manage us because he isn't in the office with us the days that we're in. Yeah, I think there's a few interesting things to unpack here. And I think part of it is who's questioned in the actual survey. Mm. So when we look at these managers, is it a sense that typically they're older than, you know, maybe some of the younger staff in and they think the way I've always communicated is face to face. I prefer this and and therefore my benefits kind of maybe outweigh the the greater number of people below me is i think definitely i think there's definitely a bit of a generational divide and as you said it's just the way we did it before is the way it should always be done but i think i was hopeful that covid was going to break that cycle we've all proven we can work from home at least as productively you know if not more i think i'm probably more productive from home fewer distractions fewer dogs distracting me in the office but I do find it interesting, as you said, in the Great Resignation, you know, is this the time to rock the boat? I mm-hmm. wouldn't have thought so. Yeah. And this study wasn't suggesting it was like in five years in the future. It's... They were suggesting that this is like a trend that like by the end of the year, when hopefully COVID will be a distant memory. But even yeah. within that, like that's not the, a given. That seems like a, a deeply flawed logic just by the, you know, the way flus work, the way 
you know, exactly. we've seen COVID work in the past. It's going to spike at Christmas. Not not to be prophetic about it, but that's, you know, <laughs> typically what happens with these viruses. So it seems maybe running before you can walk. I think it's important to remember that it's it's probably from a personal perspective. I think actually getting... HR, you know, which is what we care about on side to say, you know, you could definitely fire them or, or cut their pay. That seems like a logistical nightmare to me. It sounds like a lawsuit waiting to happen, to be honest. Yeah. I think, to be honest, at the end of the day, we write so much about this, don't we? But employee listening is key. What do your employees want? Do they want to be back in the office five days a week? Great. Get them back in the office. Do they want to be hybrid? Let them do that. If they want to work entirely from home, let them do that. I do not think that if the business can support them working from home, obviously it's not possible for all types of jobs. We're mainly talking about office jobs in this setting. If you can work from home and you can do it productively, your manager needs to trust you to do it. If there's then a problem, then you address it. But don't go into it assuming that people Mm. are, you know, messing around, taking a four-hour lunch break. When you know they're not, you can Mm. see they're on Teams, you can see they're working, you can see their output. Yeah. I think it's about making informed decisions, right? Yeah. It's one thing to go, I believe this, so I think everyone else will agree with me. It's another to say, well, I've actually got 50% of my workforce saying they'd rather work at home, 25% saying hybrid. I'm pulling these figures out of the air, so don't, you know, (laughs) that's not, you know, a statistic. But if if you're looking at it, then maybe then you can make an informed choice. And there may be some companies where it's like, actually, most people want to be back in. I do want to reintroduce this, but I think it's walk before you can run. And be very careful and be very measured about how you go about it. Certainly don't start cracking the whip, uh, mm. metaphorically, of course. <laughs> exactly. I think that's a great, a great place to end on with that piece. Yeah. So we've got a very, 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 very good piece coming up. Um, it's an interview with Eon. Do you know what? I'm going to let you do the introduction on this because not only did you do the interview, but you wrote it up and it's, it's a great piece. I want to do it justice. Yeah. So Eon is obviously a big energy company. Uh, primarily European and I think what is interesting the kind of takeaway for me is a lot about the kind of sustainability side and how much that's important to them as a business in terms of kind of green energy and kind of becoming carbon neutral as a company but also ensuring that they can offer affordable sustainable options to the normal consumer Um, especially you know it's very pertinent in the kind of Russia Ukraine crisis and the kind of inflationary pressures we're seeing because oil prices are increasing and there's a lot of stress about that kind of side not to get political of course but sustainability is clearly really core and I thought kind of using a different definition of sustainability they talked a lot about sustainable careers Great. And I think that's really good. Like, as we said, the Great Resignation, we've written a lot of stories, haven't we, about how career development, learning and development is mm-hmm. a major thing for employees. They don't just want to be in a job. They want to feel like they're going somewhere, that they're yeah. progressing, that they're learning, that they're growing as a person and an employee. And I think it's really interesting that for Eon, that clearly is a really big deal, as well as kind of being an inclusive workplace, which is how the piece came about. Yeah. Because they'd been selected by inclusive companies as like a top 50 list. I think they're 14th. 14th. Good, good ranking. Pretty good really. ranking, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, so it's quite an interesting one that kind of, and how that all ties in together. Yeah. But I won't give away too much. I want yeah. people to go read it. No, yeah, but on that note, I think it's really interesting we talk about sustainable careers. There's a lot to be done there. Um, yeah. Because we talk about sustainability, and I think everyone, not everyone, but a, a large proportion of the workforce now, are, with the cost of living rising and stuff like that, are starting to think, well, 
if I'm not getting a promotion in X amount of time or if there isn't a raise in X amount of time, is this position or company sustainable for me? So I think we're really on an interesting precipice of sort of almost employee realisation where it's like a nine to five won't cover it anymore. But also it's being realistic. It's not saying, oh, you should side hustle then because I think we get into sort of capitalism mania and extravaganza. Mm. Overwhelming. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's really interesting to hear a company talk about we want these jobs to be sustainable because it's not a job, it's a career, right? That's the... Exactly, yeah. And they, they talk about it in both senses of the word, in terms of green jobs mm-hmm. and the future of jobs in terms of the green economy, but also in terms of career development. And kind of that ties into the inclusivity because they're very focused on making sure that everyone, no matter their kind of race, religion, gender, disability, any any other kind of mitigating factor that could have held them back historically in the workplace isn't going to be a isn't going to be a kind of to their detriment to getting this career development opportunities and these learning opportunities very interesting yeah it sounds great and i think eon probably have the the bonus of being investing in green energy and obviously well maybe not obviously a lot of people are interested in workplaces Mm. that actually they agree idealistically or ethically you know Mm. not even idealistically um, so they must be having a very interesting time at the moment. Yeah, they seem to be doing pretty well with attrition, which is saying something at the moment when everyone's kind of struggling with, as we said, the great resignation and people leaving, people yeah. wanting better. But as you said, I think we've done a few studies, haven't we? A few mm. stories on studies, sorry, about how younger generations particularly want to share their purpose and their values with their yeah. employer. They don't want to work for an employer that isn't sustainable, mm-hmm. isn't, you know, cares about gender equality and racial equality and all all, all equity in the workplace right yeah like why would you want to work for a company like you don't need to we have choice it's an it's a job seekers market it is but yeah i think go read the piece yeah uh, if you you take one thing away from that read the piece um (laughs) and all of our other pieces yeah yeah um so we have one more piece by you Mm -hmm. and we're going to be talking about ramadan it's already upon us and yes. by the time this podcast will be out, out it will still be upon us. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you were looking at really how to cater and how to look after uh, Muslim employees. Um, yeah, I think, you know, it's a serious, I don't want to say sacrifice, but kind of move to kind of, you know, fast between dawn and dusk. And obviously yeah. there's a reason why they do it. It's all about self-reflection. It's about kind of spirituality and kind of remembering how privileged you are mm-hmm. for all the things you have in, in life. And I just think it's an absolutely incredible thing. And, but also it, it, is a, it is a big deal. You know, if you've not eaten from like 6 a.m.-ish, even earlier, five, I think I looked it up in the UK, it's like 5.45 mm-hmm. is when the sun comes up at the moment. Um, if you've not eaten from then till 8 p.m., I mean, that is going to affect you at work. Like there's no, you know, you've not eaten, you've not drunk anything. And I think it's all about, which we talk a lot about, it's kind of empathy. And like just taking a second and if someone snaps at you a little bit, kind of going you know stepping back and being like being a little bit more sensitive yeah. but I think also what was really interesting I'm just looking up who said it oh yeah Jafar from um Stone Junction said you know you could you know of course Muslim employees Muslim colleagues would welcome the questions but I think it's also on colleagues to really you know do some of the groundwork yourself mm-hmm. you know read the article that's a good yeah. start but even just generally do some quick googling look look up the history of ramadan look up why people are why people are fasting mm-hmm. and then rather than asking them questions where let's be honest they're really just trying to get on with the rest of their day get to their evening mm-hmm. have their meal with their family and friends and 
do their prayers. They're not really there to teach you everything about it. Yeah, I think it, it takes a few minutes to be mindful, you know, yeah. in this day and age anyway with Google. Uh, th- <laughs> thank you, our search engine overlords. Yes, Google or any other search engine yeah, if I want. Others are available. Um, you know, to to really be mindful and understand what other people are mm-hmm. going through. I think as well, it's important to note, just because you're um, taking part in Ramadan, doesn't mean that you're going to be irritable. But it doesn't mean no. you also want a thousand questions on how does that work? Why do you do it? Do you know people who don't? You know, yeah. Within, so yeah, it's really. Not educating yourself even. It's just having, you know, enough of an idea that you're not then badgering someone. Because it's interesting. Um, yeah. It's okay to ask questions, but I also think it's good to be mindful of, I know the, the facts. Yeah. If it comes up, you know. Yeah, exactly. I thought it was also really interesting. It's obviously, it's quite obvious, you know, not to eat in front of Muslim, yeah. imp- Muslim colleagues, Muslim mm. team members when they're, when they're fasting. It's polite. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, I think it was Alicia... Um, from Monumental that said about, you know, they're not going to be attending corporate lunches. Mm -hmm. They're not going to be able to do social work events in in Ramadan because it's in the evenings, it's all about family and kind of breaking Mm -hmm. the fast together. It's not about anything else, really. Um, So I think that's really interesting. You know, maybe this is an opportunity for employers to not have any big social work events Mm -hmm. in April. You know, could you hold off till May? So that your Muslim colleagues can also come, and yeah. that's like that's again, it's an inc- about inclusivity, isn't it? Yeah. It's only a month. You don't have to have your big boozy social every week of April. Every yeah, or yeah. like in April at all. You could have one the very end of March and May. It's all about kind of planning ahead and just being a little bit more aware, isn't it? Yeah. Because yeah. that's what makes that's the kind of thing that makes workplaces generally inclusive. Not yeah. the kind of like we hire percentage of ethnic oh, yeah. minorities. It's actually when they work in your company they feel like they're not missing out because of their religion because they would have to they would have to pass up an opportunity to socialize because they'd have to be at home with their family to break the fast but also it's uncomfortable they're not allowed to drink anything they're not allowed to eat anything and you're all there yeah you know a few pints in having a burger in the pub it's just a bit well it's um insensitive it's effective inclusion rather than statistical inclusion um, I'm not sure if any of those terms are the correct ones, but that's how I would describe it. It's actually making moves to not just be like, great, we managed to reach this hiring quota. It's saying, great, we have a culture that actually accepts exactly. more than one you know, uh, culture of an individual. Definitely. I think the main takeaway from this piece, though, really is ask people what they want. Yeah, yeah. Don't assume that you mm-hmm. know. It's the same with everything. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants, everyone just appreciates people going, you know, you're fasting. What do you need from me? As a manager or as a colleague, what can I do for you? Mm-hmm. And that's just a nice thing to do. That's what you should be doing anyway. Yeah, good management, right? Exactly. But even just good, good culture, good mm-hmm. company culture, if everyone's just there like, how are you today? How are you feeling? And I feel like we should all be doing that more anyway. Yeah. In Ramadan, outside of Ramadan. Oh, especially in the hybrid world, I think sometimes we forget that, especially when we're online and we're just, can, we, can you do this without the, hey, how are you, you know, already discussing. Exactly, yeah. I think kind of humanising, isn't it? You've got to humanise the workforce. Yeah. Yeah. And remember, it's all about people. People make businesses. Businesses wouldn't exist without the people in them. And some people make great podcasts. And on... Um, <laughs> That note, I think we're, it's about time we wrapped up, but as always, we'll have loads of articles out, loads of thoughts for you guys to read. Uh, so join us on the site, and in the meantime, we'll catch you in a few weeks. Bye-bye.